0: Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined with my brother, Dusty. Dusty, I had the best lunch ever today. Two double doubles from In and Out, both animal style and protein style. Best lunch ever. Two double. I know doub- you're jealous, dude. That's huge. I mean, that's it's like at least 1,200 calories right there. But you not you don't have the bread, so that's real no bread really good. and no fries, no soda. Oh man, dude, that's that's awesome. Good for you, man. Yeah, <laughs> loving it. <laughs> so, Way better ask- than the. Uh, oh, go ahead. Some people ask me, like, where's your favorite place to eat? Honestly. I, I, I guess my taste buds aren't that refined, like my palate. You know, I know that palate's a special time in a boy's life when you kind of... <laughs> but anyways, that was from Simpsons, a oh, funny mm-hmm. joke. But um, so my palate isn't very refined. So I like orange chicken at Panda Express. I like In-N-Out. I like just regular stuff because, hey, it's cheap because I'm pretty frugal, but I like the taste of it. Yep. As we talked about in uh, last week's episode with your uh, safety razor, right? <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> hey, yep. Did you know that we are big? Our show, our podcast and our YouTube videos, we're big in Zimbabwe. Did you know that? Ooh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So everybody listening into Zimbabwe, I'm really, really glad you guys are here listening to us. We're like top five or something in entertainment. So it's pretty awesome. <laughs> awesome, dude. That's good to hear. That's good to know. One of these days when I visit Zimbabwe, they'll, they'll recognize this face, I guess. <laughs> yes, they will. I'll be spotted on the street. Awesome. Yep, yep. So I'm looking here at the YouTube video. For those listening on the podcast, we also uh, record these and put them up on YouTube. Uh, WatchAndLearnPodcast dot com slash YouTube. And your name is Sir Percival. Where'd you get that name from? So one, I remember watching the movie, and we rec- we you know re- inter- uh, reviewed this movie. It was called um, Ready Player One, mm. and inside that, they had one of the characters, the main character, his um, his handle or his his nickname was Parsable. And so Parcival was one of King Arthur's knights and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, hey, with Kingsman, the movie we're doing, that's part of the, you know, the, the, I guess, lore is, and the storytelling is that they have their own handles or their own nicknames. And so I just like Parcival. So I said, I would rather be Arthur, but, you know, Arthur was a a bad guy in the movie. So I said, oh, I'll be Parzival. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. I chose Sir Heofan because Heofan is an old English for sky, and uh, interestingly enough, when I when I look this up, uh, Heofan is actually where we got the word heaven from as well. Very cool. Yeah. Hey, then, then it's literally your name, so there we go. Yep, nice, nice. So, what did you think about the King's? Well, first off, this movie came out in uh, two thousand and fourteen. When did you actually see it? Did you see it in theaters, or did you catch it later on on a you know Red Box? It it was something like Red Box or something. Yes, it was definitely after the fact. I want to say it was probably twenty sixteen ish mm. like you told mm-hmm. me hey you got to go see Kingsman I was like really oh okay I'll go oh, watch it. Told you about it okay I must have yeah. been I think that's what often happens right between you and I when you watch a movie that just blows you away you definitely tell me about it I do the exact same thing so I probably you're probably the first person I contacted via text Dusty have you seen the Kingsman yet you've got to see it yes and that's when I said okay I'll go check it out and so that's when I watched it but yeah it was great uh, storytelling and it's just fun especially when you have somebody that's Uh, Well, the main guy, um, um, what was the, what's his character's name? Galahad? Or Galahad? Galahad. Galahad. Yeah, he was, um, you know, it was supposed to be like a tailor. He says he's a tailor in a suit and kind of dweeby in a sense, like at the very beginning, kind of just it doesn't seem like he would fight and but the, the bad guys in the bar like they seem pretty rough and like they're they're uh hooligans and stuff and so but you just see something change he's actually like he's hiding who he actually is which is a ruthless like not really ruthless but like a no he is he's a ruthless killer there you know, go. when when necessary when necessary so that's why mm-hmm. i said ruthless maybe not so much but oh. he's he's absolutely somebody who you need to take full um uh What's the word? Like take him seriously. Like he could definitely take you out. And especially we see that scene where he closes the door and locks the door, which we'll get into that minute because that reminded me of another movie, which we'll talk about. But the whole movie was really, really fun. The storytelling was really, really fun. What did you think? I absolutely love it. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I give this movie an A plus. It's it's right up there. I've seen it so many times. It's uh I would recommend it to anybody who likes action movies like James Bond, spy movies. You like movies that just kind of uh surprise you and and you like visually like cool, fun, compelling movies to watch and and movies with like cool, fun soundtracks and stuff. Like if you're into Edgar Wright movies and you like his, you know, baby doll and whatever movies with music and stuff, this this hits so many different genres. I absolutely love it let's jump right into, cause we'll talk about the movie, but I want to jump right into your favorite scene because nope. there's only one scene that really just, Oh, sorry. There's a bunch of scenes, but there's one scene that when I think of Kingsman that my brain goes to every single time, what is your favorite scene? Uh, but sex at the end. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yes, I know what you're talking about. That's my second favorite scene. Um, my, my first favorite scene is the church battle. Amazing it is absolutely amazing i think with the whole storytelling i give the movie i give it an a i don't give it an a plus it's really good don't get me wrong i really really enjoy it i could watch it again um so maybe the butt scene that was like okay that brought it from an <laughs> a plus to a because I, I, it was just like oh that was out of nowhere like it just almost like punches you in the face but the church scene was so like uh, in your face graphic and like but they, the way they shot it the way they filmed it was rather entertaining it was a different style and just the way that they did it it's like it's the motion was fast and then slowed down and fast and then slowed down and fast so down. it was really entertaining but that's where i uh, that's what i really remember as i think of the kingsman is that but the other scene is literally the bar fight scene at the very beginning love that one but um so i give it an a because it's a really really fun story i can definitely watch it over again Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, this movie has a couple elements that I really like that they do in movies. The first is the beginning and the end coincide, right? We've talked about it before in movies, but this movie starts off, you're in Baghdad, but it starts off, you know, on, on a tape deck playing, pulls out to be a boombox, and then the action starts, right? The end of the movie, it, you know, it starts on on a tape deck and it pulls out to be a boombox, but it ends up being a little tablet. But so I just, I love it when movies start and finish basically the same way. Really love that. And this hit all of the same kind of movie tropes that you see in James Bond stuff, right? With awesome good guys who are totally capable and, you know, up to the challenge, willing to take on a world-class henchman who has world domination prospects. They also have not henchmen, uh, a villain. But then they also have a henchman who's like has like a physical deformity and an interesting way to kill people. I mean, this movie hits on so many different levels for me. Absolutely love it. And like you said, the story was great. The whole idea of, of using electronic devices to turn everybody crazy, to ratchet up their aggression levels, throw away their innovations so they kill each other, and then you save the planet that way. Not that that would really work. Who knows if it would save the planet or not? More like just make everybody pissed off that you did that, and now... They're after you now, whatever. But that's why he's in a bunker up in Alaska. But overall, great story and just great storytelling in general, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about the first, not the first fight scene, because we see kind of the explosion where Iggy's dad dies. We see that. But the first fight scene where we see Galhad fight, and he's in the bar, and he's um, talking with and Iggy, and the bad guys come in, and he gets up to leave. You know, he wants to finish his Guinness. But I, what other movie were you reminded of when he closed the door and locked it? What other movie did that remind you of? I can't recall. Oh man, a fantastic movie. Um, it's it's a drama, but it is it's terrific. It's set like in the fifties. It's called A Bronx Tale, and in A Bronx Tale, you have. Oh, wow. Oh, I can't believe I forgot his name. Um, Robert De Niro? Name. No, yeah, they have Robert De Niro, but what's Chaz Palmentary? Chaz Palmentary. I love that guy. He's such an amazing actor. But here's the scenario. So if you've seen Kingsman, you know the scenario he closes, locks the door, which is amazing, and they fight. You have a Bronx Tale. I don't know if it's a movie would actually uh, review, but it's uh, you should watch it. I think everybody should watch it. But so Um, Chaz Palminteri's character, he's a mob boss and he's got mob people around him. He's the main guy. He's got a bunch of like old Italian mob boss guy. It's really that type of story. And so he owns a bar. He owns a bar and then a bunch of bikers like Harley riding bikers come into the bar. There's literally like 15 of them going to the bar and they start becoming rude and arrogant and all that sort of stuff, acting like they own the place. Chaz walks in and goes, Hey guys, you know just you know take it easy and and the oh, the back but one of the bikers says, yeah, hey, we just we want a beer you know our money's green just like everybody else's and Chaz is being very respectful and says you know it's spoken like a true gentleman go ahead and give my house or uh, uh, some beer on me like give them around on me because they're they're gentlemen let's let's take care of them let them and then they do uh, something horrible the bikers do and they like start trashing the place. They start pouring beer out and all stuff to being disrespectful. And then Chaz, like he, Chaz says, what are you guys doing? The biker guys, you know, get out of here or something like before I mess you up. And then Chaz walks away and he's acting all nonchalant. He walks away. He goes over to the front door, closes the front door and locks it. He takes his key out and locks the door. All the bikers turn around from the bar. They're sitting at the bar. They turn around and they see Chaz, the mob boss, in his nice three-piece suit, just looking all dapper and everything. And he turns around and looks at them all. I mean, as Chaz would. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. If you just look up a Bronx tale, like fight scene or bar scene, you'll see it. It's brilliant. He looks at them and all the bikers are kind of looking at him like almost upset, but at the same time, like curious. And he turns and says, now yous can't leave. Oh, and then their faces just drop the, the biker's faces drop. And they're like, Oh, what did we just get ourselves into? And then the, the oh, rest of the mob guys come in and just trash them. Oh, Brilliant. Love, love that scene. Reminded me just that now I'm not saying that they knocked it off. It's just a fun. It's, it's fun. And just because somebody else did it before, doesn't mean you can't do it again. Yeah. But I love that scene. I love this scene because with the people that think they're in charge. They're absolutely not. What are your thoughts? Oh, I agree with you 100%. If, if one guy, if you're a group of five, six dudes and one dude is facing down all of you, I would be the first to kind of like, you gents, you take him on. I'll just be over here watching or whatever. Because so if if everybody one guy's watching willing this on YouTube just saw Sky like yeah. back away from the microphone. listen <laughs> yeah. to on, on the podcast, that's what he was doing. He was backing away slowly yep. like, oh, this is something bad going to happen. Yeah, exactly. If like if one guy's willing to face down six of you, he knows something you don't know for sure. And it's time to just back off, let cooler heads prevail and get out of there safely. hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. And so it's, yeah. the interesting thing about uh, not the interesting thing about a Bronx tale is I saw it a long time ago. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember liking it or disliking it because uh, I just don't remember it. It's one of those movies that, you know, goes in one brain and out the other brain, you know. Yeah, it's so it's it's fun. It's it's a love story as well as a mob boss story. So it's got some great characters in there. Great storytelling. Um, But that that this scene reminded me of that. Now, in the Kingsman, what we have is a underground network of tailors that made a lot of money. Help me to understand this, because this is what I was trying to wrap my brain around. The the secret service or the secret guys here. They were tailors that made a lot of money and they got tired of politicians and stuff. And so they had plenty of money. So let's go ahead and create the society and all that stuff. Is that how it plays out? Is that what they are? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's their, their tailor persona is how they blend into society is basically how it is. And that's how they can work with dignitaries and still talk to people, right? Like if you need the best suit ever, you go into their shop, Not if you need it. I'm sorry. You just pretend like you need the best suit ever. You go in there, you go into one of the secret rooms totally closed off, and that's where you can meet clandestinely and speak about things and and have your have your secret, you know, liaisons with spies telling them what to do, giving them orders and stuff. I think that's what they're all about because they were established. I can't remember the exact story, but he was telling um uh Exy at one point the history of the Kingsmen. And we started off just as uh, you know, just as Taylors doing our 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 The Lord's bidding, not the Lord, Lord, but, you know, their king's bidding or whatever. And it it grew to be a secret spy society, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, they were tailors, but now they don't have a government that they answer to. They're literally their own entity. And so, yeah. So I guess just that was rather interesting. They're just basically rich guys that said we're going to stop doing or. We're going to do this on top of this. Now we have plenty of money. Now we have all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But they don't, they, they don't answer to a government, which I'm not against absolutely at all, um, as long as they're doing, you know, right things. But then mm-hmm. again, you have plenty of bad guys, the terrorists that aren't for government and do a lot of bad things. So it'd be fine if there was a non-governmental agency that was doing good things. But people yeah. might say, oh, that's a vigilante. I'm like, well, just because the government's not over it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you there. I, I, I'm down with vigilantes. Daredevil, Batman, bring them on. and and the punisher oh my goodness i want to watch the punisher the one uh punisher was really good a lot of fight scenes are just terrific um One fight scene that I really love is where he gets trapped inside of this jail cell, like the hallway of the jail cell. And he realizes he is like six guys are coming out. They want to kill him. And the Punisher is looking at him. And instead of like being, getting ready and waiting for them to come at him and then fight, he charges them and destroys them. It was just brilliant. So I was just thinking of like vigilante stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm more of a libertarian where it's like, get the government out of all that sort of stuff. The government, they can't even tie their own shoelaces, let alone yeah. anything else. Like so get the government out, let people do it. So um, yeah, so what I, I don't mind this, that having a secret service that's actually doing good, because there are hundreds or thousands of secret bad guys doing bad. So yes. I, I don't mind that at all. Yep, totally. Throw some good secret guys against them for there sure. You go. So um, what was cool. um as you're going through this, what was the the, something that, that literally grabbed you said, This is why I really like this movie is the way it's shot, the storytelling, uh, the visual, some of those visuals, like right in the very beginning. Oh, the music and the visuals, right? Uh, so, in the very beginning, you have they're in Baghdad. They're blowing up that building and the debris is falling out and then bam, it turns into the name of the of the production company or or whatever, you know, just that kind of element along with that initial song at the beginning just got me hooked like this is visually what I want out of a movie. It's not your same old stale James Bond kind of a spy movie, right? This is turning things on its head, doing things their own way. The director of Vince Vaughn, not Vince Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn, uh, was you know he he created his own style with this movie, and I love it when movies do that when they kind of uh they don't follow the 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 norms of most movies and they do think, do things their own way. I guess that's one big reason why I like Edgar Wright movies as well. You know, um, so it's the sounds, it's the visuals, but then also the fighting. It just totally surprised me. I think this movie, John Wick, before John Wick came along to do John Wick, right? A lot of close combat stuff, shooting guys in the head really close, knives and. Just so many awesome fight choices. Um, you know, shooting shooting the one guy with the uh with the stun umbrella at the beginning, hit him, hit and He does a flip in the air and then lands. I mean, so many cool things like that. Punching the guy, the tooth flies out of the mouth. You know, in that first scene, just some really cool stuff. Not your standard fight choreography. When you think about fighting for your life, you need to think about everything at your disposal so one person that i would recommend people check out is a gentleman by the name of tim kennedy tim kennedy um you can find him on i think tim kennedy mma um, he's an mma fighter he was a uh, navy seal this dude is a warrior i mean he's he's a bad a dude i mean he, he's he'll destroy you and so if you go to instagram he'll be on instagram i think it's tim kennedy mma he's on facebook he's all over the place but what is terrific is he literally teaches like he and he tries to show how to do this sort of stuff, how to protect yourself. Like if you're literally fighting for your life, if you have somebody on the ground, their eyeball is sticking right there. Your fingers right there. Stick it in his eye. Like mm-hmm. you would not think of that if you're like if you and I were wrestling when we were kids, we'd never would have thought that because that's like damage. But if you're yeah. fighting for your life, everything like you need to have. Everything at your disposal. If it's a pencil, if it's your finger, if their eye is exposed, you, cause you're literally gonna die. And so, anyways, what I really love about Tim Kemp, Tim Kennedy is he was showing like, it was like a, a 30 second clip and he was showing somebody wrestling. Now, this is not MMA where you're, it's like a sport. This is like, if you're fighting for your life and he was on top, he like, he wrestled the dude and took him down and he's, he literally is on top of the guy and he says, And watch this. And he took his hand and almost like wiped it over the guys. So he's on Tim's on top of the guy, Wrestled him down. And he just rubbed his hand over the guy's eye. And he goes, okay, there, your eyes gone. Okay. There, your other eyes gone. And he's Mm -hmm. like, this is what I would literally be doing. I'm not thinking of fighting fair. In fact, I want it the most unfair fight in my uh, favor as possible because we're fighting for our lives. And I'm not going to go out and try to just try to kill you because I'm a bad guy. No, if a bad guy comes to me, I'm having as unfair advantage as possible that's why i love in america we have guns we can protect ourselves i have guns because i want to protect my family if somebody breaks in my house i don't want it to be a fair fight it should be the worst odds against the person that comes into my house that's why i have guns everywhere that i could basically protect my family so tim kennedy is fantastic but when you gotta think about when you're watching this type of movie i love it that it's it's graphic to show not not necessarily graphic like gore, but it's, it's graphic ways to kill people. Basically, usually you utilizing and using everything at your disposal, because when death is on the line, I mean, just like we you know Princess Bride never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. You know, it, you want to make sure you have everything at your disposal and every single opportunity like there's nothing off the table when you are fighting for your life. Yeah for sure 100% I agree with you there I love that I actually took a note on Tim Kennedy I'll look him up later I, I don't I don't know that that name rings a bell to me um but yeah I agree with you 100% uh go you know when your life is on the line you've got to do what it takes and that totally reminded me of uh it was the craziest scene when they did it in The Walking Dead you probably remember this um Rick and Carl and Daryl are captured by this biker gang and it looks like Carl is about to get physically assaulted by this gang and they're holding Rick. Rick can't do anything so he bites into the dude's jugular blood spurts all over Rick but the dude dies and they save Carl. I mean you got to do what you got to do when when the time is right for that, you know? Absolutely. And To have that mentality, not just the mentality, because hopefully you're not you're going to The mentality is going to eventually come or it's not like that's has got in you. But to think to do that, like, what can I use at my disposal and really rack your brain? If the only thing you do is bite, bite, like don't just let it sit there and come. So, yeah, yeah. that's why that fight scene in the church is so memorable or yeah memorable for me is because of how like literally everything that is there that I can grab to use is at my disposal. Yeah. And everybody was using everything, you know, not just uh, Galahad with what he had, you know, grabbing the axe, grabbing a knife, pulling it from one person's chest, sticking in somebody else's head, loving that stuff. But everybody else around him was using, um, you know, whatever bats and poles and, and pieces of wood, whatever they could find. Absolutely love that scene. And just the whole idea, kind of like when we were watching 1917, it was one shot the entire time, one continuous shot um, that fight other than when they, you know, cut away from to, to show Eggsy reacting to it and show Merlin reacting to it and stuff and Valentine in the room uh, with Gazelle. But basically, it was one entire fight following Harry or Galahad along the entire way. Absolutely love that, that uh, style of filmmaking as well. I, in the story, I also appreciate how they had an eco-terrorist be the bad guy, as opposed to a businessman trying to make money. Like this is my making money. I appreciate it was a businessman who had money to become an eco terrorist. Now here's what's interesting. This is not so far from the truth. I'm going to be a little more political in, in what I'm going to say right now. I try not to be po- very political, but do you know recently, like last year in 2019, there was a bunch of fires, wildfires all over Australia. Did you hear about that? Absolutely. Yeah, so literally like the entire continent was like on fire and animals were being destroyed. Homes were being destroyed. People were dying because of these fires. Do you know how that those fires got started? Uh, I don't know what their findings were, no. There were at least, the last time I heard, 19 arrests, if not more. These are eco-terrorists. They're saying climate change is so bad, we need to destroy the world. And so they started lighting fires all over Australia. These are evil people that are doing this. So they lit fires and forest fires and everywhere all over the entire continent, destroying lives, destroying property, destroying animals, destroying the planet. And they're saying, I'm doing it to save the planet. Are you guys that stupid? Are you that just like out of it that you think this is helpful? Same thing with the bad guy in here. He's saying, well, eventually the world's going to have it's going to it has a fever and it's eventually going to kill everybody so i'm just going to preempt it and kill everybody now like how stupid is that number one yeah. you don't know if that's true and number two you're killing like oh i'm not the one killing people they're killing each other no you're causing them to kill each other yeah. so all that to say eco-terrorism is horrible and i do appreciate that they had an eco-terrorist actually be the bad guy in this movie what are your thoughts uh, I didn't even think about it that way, but it, it, his plan makes absolutely no sense. Thanos' plan makes no sense whatsoever. The chick in that Godzilla movie we recently saw, her plan makes no sense whatsoever. She raised a daughter who's totally fine with killing billions of people. What's going on with these eco terrorists, dude? I don't understand it. I, I don't get it at all. Uh, and I'm fine with them making eco terrorist bad guys for sure. Yeah. Um, on top of that, when I think of... In the 1960s, there was actually global cooling. So if you look at like a Time magazine and type in global cooling, it was actually a thing. They really, the people, the eco terrorists wanted to put ash, like burnt charcoal ash all over the North Pole and the South Pole to Warm up the world. I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? That's just dumb. They want to do that. But then in the 80s, it was global warming. And now climate's actually changing where it's getting colder. And so they can't keep saying global warming. So it just changes over and over again. They changed the wording to now it's climate change. Now, here's my opinion. It's a hoax because climate always changes. It goes up and down. It goes up and down. Here's the biggest thing I'm going to say. Everybody who has said, Okay, in 20 years, there's going to be mass starvation. People are going to die. Miami's going to be flooded. They said that literally 30 years ago. It's 30 years from now. They said, okay, in, in 1980, they said, okay, Miami's going to be flooded or California will be flooded. 20 years came and went. It's still here. We're still doing better than ever. And right now, there's literally somebody saying in 12 years, the world's going to explode. Basically, the world's going to be gone in 12 years. And I'm I'm saying, okay, if that's true. I want you to then, in 12 years, admit that you are completely full of crap. Like you are absolutely wrong and everything about climate change and climate hoaxes is absolutely wrong. Because here's the thing, the people who are touting this, this climate hoax, they're the ones profiting. They are the ones making money off of you. They're the ones flying in private jets. Oh, it's, it's sad. So I'm gonna get off of that because I wanna get back to the movie. I just, I really appreciated that they did this. But man, it's just interesting how, the world keeps spinning. The world keeps turning. Nothing wrong has happened and nothing ever will happen like that ever again. Yeah, we are living in the best time ever. Who knows what can come in the future, you know? But as of right now, things are the best for human beings it's ever been. We've talked about it before. Less war uh, than ever, less disease than ever. Although coronavirus, who knows what's going to happen there, you know? Well, we had that back you know, in 2004 with SARS virus. SARS, but yeah. The, here's the thing. The coronavirus started many Like Money, money, months ago, China was just keeping that under wraps. They were trying, like, don't tell anybody because they won't come here and give us money. And so it's been around for a while. And just now it's really started becoming almost an epidemic because they let Mm. it get this way. So, I mean, it'll come and go. Um, I think once summertime hits, that flu season will go. And so that's what's going to happen. But, you know, in the end, it's the world keeps turning. For sure it does. Uh, let me see here. Oh, I want to tell you, Dust. Did you, of course, you didn't hear about this movie until you watched it the first time. Have you gone back since watching this movie? And have you watched the trailer? No, I I probably should. No. No. Well, I mean yeah, now that you've seen the movie, go ahead and watch it. But this is a movie. This is uh this is uh what I this is why trailers are the devil, right? If you watch this trailer, it gives away so much stuff that happens in the movie. Uh I would be super bummed out if I saw this trailer before going to the movie. So once again everybody, don't watch trailers. Even though in our show notes page we always put the trailer there, but that's a spoiler page. Like we're assuming you've read the, you know, you've watched the movie, you're looking at our life lessons. And there's a trailer there if you want to kind of reacquaint yourself with the movie kind of a thing, right? But in general, trailers are the devil. If there was one thing that I would say, take away from things that I learned from you, which was lots and lots of things. But one thing that I could easily remember is don't watch trailers. And looking back now, all of the movies that I've been watching since then, which was like five years ago. I've just been so much more happy with watching movies because the story's unfolding without me knowing what's happening beforehand, seeing what's going to happen, what they're going to say, what they're going to do. It is so much more pleasing to not watch trailers. So absolutely. Everybody do not watch trailers, especially, especially the ones that you want to see. Don't watch those trailers. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, You had said earlier about the, I guess you didn't say this word. You said gore or basically the fighting this movie is very visceral visceral right but there's not a lot of gore and not a lot of blood and i really loved how they use like the firework explosion for everybody's heads blowing up as opposed to like their heads blowing up and blood everywhere i just love the visual i love the music i love the colors and like they actually turned it into um uh, like a visual element as opposed to just saving the day by pushing a button everyone's head blowing up you know i loved how they did that that was fun. And they also had like the music playing with it too yep. in the background. It was rather fun because you could literally see blood and brains blowing up and, but you saw more of like the. I don't know. You said the, the colorful explosion and stuff. So that was much more fun than watching people's head literally blow yeah. <laughs> up. That would just be like, oror, oror. I'll take the crab juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this movie, of course, obviously already got an R. They could have done that gory, bloody head blowing up stuff, but yeah, I, yeah, it, it was so much more visually appealing and more fun doing it this way as opposed to horror movie kind of a bloodbath thing so i got a question for you mm-hmm. could you if everything played out just like you were exy, could you have shot that dog see that so no to answer your question no but i had the same kind of a, a related question to you what is the final lesson like what are they supposed to get out of you if you're able to shoot I can't remember exactly how Merlin worded it, but said, this is your companion. You're going to train them. They're going to grow with you. Basically, this is a teammate on your team with all these other people, right? What is it supposed to teach them that you're able to pull the trigger on a dog? It's what well, do you it's think? supposed to show that you can do what you Just you're take told. an order. Yeah. Take an order. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but you're right. Like if you, uh, I'm supposed to kill my teammate. Well, yeah, if they're bad and you were told telling you that you're bad, but at the same time, so, I would be a good soldier, but at the same time, I don't know how good of a soldier I'd be. I question orders like it's it's. I question more like what people tell me to do. That's what I question. Like, mm-hmm. you need to do this. I'm like, why? I don't like doing that. I don't want to do that. So that's where I'd, I'd be good soldier because I do what I'm told. But at the same time, there's some things I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I'm OK to say no to things. Now, if I was in the military, I would definitely follow orders because that's how I'm. I'm driven to be like um, respectful as well as like follow orders. But at the same time, I'm like, well, that's just wrong. Like I have my compass, which is here. Like I, I read the Bible and whatever the Bible says is what I try to do. And so if it goes against that, I can't do it. So I follow orders to a point to where the orders above it. So my orders, number one is from God. Number two would be from like if I was in the military, then the military, then, you know, so on and so forth. So if anyone goes against the orders that are given above it, I don't follow it. Does that make sense? It does make sense, totally, okay. totally. So if you're told to murder uh, your teammate, supposedly your bosses have good a uh, uh, good intel and there's a good reason for it, but of course God tells you do not murder. Right? Then you wouldn't pull the trigger on that. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I got gotcha. you. Totally. I understand. But that yeah, I get sure. what you're saying. Like, you know, could you have killed that dog? Now here's a th- uh, for me. If I were in the same scenario and I raised that dog, obviously you love the dog. I mean, it's just dogs are fantastic. I love dogs. I'm not a cat person. Hate cats personally. Love dogs um, just like you. And so we love dogs. And it would be very, very hard for me. But the first thought is dogs are dogs. And I probably could have pulled the trigger knowing not that I was going to kill it, but more than likely everything that they've done to this point has been almost an illusion to get you like that lady. You already knew that she, wait, no, uh, you didn't know that she didn't die after you pulled the trigger. Remember uh, the, the the lady that drowned that was a teammate? He told after the fact that like, you were supposed to pull the trigger because it was fake. But he, Gagsy, already found out that they lied to him about his parachute. You know, he was one without a parachute. It's like, okay, this might be another trick. Pull the trigger. So, you know, that combined is like, I. you know, I'm not the type of person that would spend $10,000 on my dog. If my dog's dying, Okay, we'll put him to sleep. We can get another one. Dogs, it's it's sad, but that's just, you know, dogs have a short life. So mm-hmm. all that to say, I probably would have pulled the trigger if it were me. I see. Now that, now that I'm thinking about it, if I were in the moment, it would be tough. But with a little bit of time, not that he gave you, gave Eggsy a lot of time to think about it. But you're right. With all the other things, nothing has really been... Everything's been pretty safe. They haven't forced you to kill anybody else at any time. You, there's got to be a good chance that there is a blank or just no bullet at all in that gun. You pull it, it just goes click. You're right. There's a good chance that. So I probably would pull the trigger. I feel yeah. really bad about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave this movie an A+, correct? Yes. Okay, I give it an A. I, I really like the movie. I can definitely watch it again. Especially some scenes are better than others. I really like Samuel L. I like his his yeah. talking. Um, I don't. I can't really um, copy it very much. But I liked his character. Now the sword feet or leg lady uh, that was d- little little off for me. Like just the it was gimmicky. We're like the top hat guy in one of the James Bond movies and stuff yeah. like that. It's, just, it's gimmicky. Uh-huh. But you're right. That's just how those movies are mm-hmm. are told but it's a fun element of those types of movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked it. I like the storytelling. I like how Eggsy grew and changed and everything. And we know that the part two comes out and we know that, um, Galahad, instead of being dead, he's actually alive, which is really, really fun. But, um, yeah, so I give it an a, a solid a cool, good, good, good. Um, so let me get to my first lesson here. Uh, uh at one point, Galahad says true nobility is being superior to your former self. So the lesson I took away from that, and it's something I've always, not always, but I strive to do is to be 1% better every single day. Get better at something, do something that's worthwhile, that's gonna grow you as a human being. You know, there are a lot of people that are nostalgic. Would you say that you're nostalgic? Totally. You are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I guess I'm not. Well, you—I guess in, you're probably not the, in the way the sense that I'm thinking. Like, you don't think back to, oh man, high school; those days were great. I wish I could go back and do high school all oh, over no, again. Oh like, uh, no, no, living—I huh? don't past. live I, in the past. No, but yeah, that's what I was more meaning. Okay, gotcha. No, I don't live in the past at all. But last week, you, we were talking about Bill Murray movies, and you said you really did not like the one where he went to Japan with Scarlett Johansson. But I enjoyed that movie. Not that I would ever watch it again, but I enjoyed it because of this, the nostalgic feeling I got because I lived in Japan for a year and a half. That brought back a lot of feelings. And I, I enjoyed that movie because of those feelings it brought me. Just like Mr. Baseball, one of my favorite movies ever. Love Mr. Baseball because it brings me back to not only every time as kids we would go to Japan, but living there for a year and a half, I saw a lot of the things. I felt a lot of the things that he felt in the movie. And so it's that nostalgia factor. For me, but I do not live in the past for sure. Yeah, got it. Okay, so I guess the way that I'm saying it is um, nostalgic, meaning you live in the past, and and I get, I agree that like I have a different definition of what nostalgia would be, but I am absolutely not a nostalgic person. I I appreciate the history, I appreciate the past, and but tying on to your first lesson, which is my first lesson because it's obviously it's Sir Galahad's first lesson that he gives. You know, um, you always um, like true nobility. Is that you're superior? You're like you grow to be superior than your former self, which I completely agree. And so I never really look back in the past and say, Oh, that was better back then, because I'm always forward thinking. I'm always driving forward, like in my business, in my life, and raising my kids. I'm always looking forward. Now I appreciate the past. I can go back Mm -hmm. and appreciate all that sort of stuff, but no way do I absolutely live in the past ever at all. And so when I think about anything like I, I i like olympic lifting where it's the, the weight lifting and snatch and clean and jerk you see in the olympics i really enjoy doing that and the reason why i like doing that number one it's fun for me technically you have to have a lot of technique it just looks like you're lifting a lot of weight um you're just kind of like jerking it up there and like muscling it up but it actually takes so much technique there's so many like if Sky and I, if you worked out with me and i showed you how to do proper technique for olympic lifting you're like man i can't believe it's that technical there's so many little things that you can do that can make yourself better and so from getting better at technique but then also getting stronger and so every time i the reason why i like to go lift is because i'm stronger than i was yesterday or the day before that or the year before that i even keep track like i have a little it's not really a journal it's basically my programming every single week and day i have something else i do but i keep track of it and i could see what i did a year ago or whatever and i'm like man i'm getting better so the same thing just like um, Sir Galahad's or Galahad's um, thing is true mobility is becoming superior to your former self wholeheartedly agree. There's one guy I can't remember his name um, but he says, I live so that every day I can beat my beat the crap out of my yesterday person. like I always train to be able to beat the crap out of myself yesterday. Yeah, that's basically the same, just a different way to look at it, but the exact same lesson right there. Uh, let me see. My second lesson is if it's too good to be true, it really is. So Valentine's free Wi-Fi, free internet access for the world. Yeah, that's not... But how are you going to say no to that, right? This guy's a multi-billionaire. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, he wants to do something good. It might cost him a few million dollars every year to give his service for free, but uh, it's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what he already has. So it's, it's a little believable, but then man, when he turns on that thing and then you lose your inhibitions and aggression goes and you want to kill your own little one-year-old girl. Oh man, you paid the price for that free gift, you know? Oh yeah. Well, there's a, a saying and it came around mostly when Google came around, basically giving away for free everything, like literally everything, which is a brilliant business model because people want and will use it. And you start thinking, well, how are they making money or who's the customer? If you cannot find out who the customer is, you are the customer. You are the one, even though you're not paying for it in monetary sense, you are absolutely paying for it in some sort of sense. They're making money in some sort of way. And so if you can't figure out who the customer is, you're the customer. And just like if you're sitting at a poker table, you can't figure out who the, uh, what's what's the term? Uh, the mark or the sucker. Yeah, the sucker or the mark. You can't figure out who the, the bad player is. You're the bad player. And for so sure. exact same thing here. It's a way to get in the door. And you could think, oh, man, this guy's just being very, very nice. But like, no, that, it's, it's a good indication for you to be leery. Now, you don't have to be completely against whatever, you know, somebody's giving away for free because there are people that do good things. But you could also say... What, what's the ulterior motive? So I agree. That's a good thing to think of is, you know, what is the uh, ultimate cost? And so same thing with like internet technology or phones, all that stuff that's for free out there. Eventually you're paying for it somehow. And somehow you're paying for it being like your privacy is taken away and they give, they sell you all your information. The governments have your information, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I I think that's a great lesson. Yep. Cool beans. What's your second lesson? My second lesson is you... Always want to lock the door when you're going to fight somebody because you don't want them to leave. So you can really destroy them because when you start beating them up, they're going to want to leave and you lock the door. as (laughs) Plus, you put that fear in them when you do that as well. Yep. True that. Good lesson right there. Uh, My third lesson is don't ever let anybody put anything digital in your dome or anywhere in your body. Right. Other than a pacemaker to keep you alive. That's just about it, right? Other than that, nobody's putting any kind of tracking information. I don't want all my information in a thumb so I can one day just use my thumb to buy stuff at the store. Not worth it at all, especially nothing up here, let me tell you. Absolutely. And did you know, well, a couple things. Number one, in the Bible, there's something called the mark of the beast. And so it's literally, it'll be on your forehead where it'll be a mark on your forehead that people will be able to scan you or read you. Basically, the Bible says that. Um, but right now, there are some businesses that are literally putting a tracking, not, not necessarily tracking chip, but like, you know how you would have a proximity card. It's like an access chip, access chip. They would put Mm -hmm. it inside of your hand. So you just, it's your hand. I'm like, no, I will absolutely not put any technology in my body. Now, 15 years from now, I bet millennials or the kids younger, like their kids are gonna be like, yes, put me, put it in me. Like, I'll do that. I remember true. Uh, no, uh, not true lies. Um, Total Recall. The first Total Recall with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger was fantastic. The second one with um, Colin Farrell was, eh, it was okay. But one thing I remember is literally having a phone in your hand, and he had to cut it out of his hand, pull it out, and that's technology in your hand. I'm like, man, if there's anything, anybody was going to take away from any of this, literally don't do any of this stuff. Don't put any technology inside of you because You're not the one controlling that technology. Somebody ultimately will have the control over that technology and then ultimately have the control over you. So especially nothing near your brain. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. There's no way if I worked at a company, I'd let them put a chip in my hand. No, thank you. Not at all. So the next lesson or the last lesson I have is you never want to steal a car because I saw him steal that car. I was like, Oh man. And then the cops start chasing him and he's all having fun. But then again, that's how he runs into Sir Galahad. And, or, you know, that's, but no, it just, I'm looking at stealing a car as like, man or stealing really anything in general it's like why would i steal that eventually it's going to catch up to me and so that's sure. a big life lesson that i learned now there's plenty of other lessons we can go through this but that was one i was like as soon as i saw him jump in that car i'm like oh that's a bad idea number yep. one bad idea can come after you but number two bad guys are going to come after you yep that's that's true that's true uh, let's see here uh church foot oh what is your prop that you would take from the movie so I think it's the watch. I'm a big watch person. I really, really like watches. And I like the watch, although it's not as iconic. Maybe it would be a fantastic suit. You know, mm. suit with the watch. Maybe like, the oh, and the shoes. That's probably what it'll be. Like I, could actually, <laughs> I, I just, all that stuff ran through my brain. Really like a nanosecond gotcha. went through my brain. It's like I would be one of the Kingsmen with a suit, with the glasses, with the watch, and with the shoes and be awesome. And the umbrella yeah. you got you gotta throw yeah. the umbrella in there too good so you'll be dressed for success at this year's prom <laughs> exactly yep. cool. uh my prop is just the simple Kingsman pendant that eggsy had with the phone number on the back that he called nice and simple right there. There's lots of cool guns and stuff in the movie and weapons and even her gazelle's leg knife leg things that would be cool, but really you know I just wanted that little uh that pendant right there. do you remember what the code words were? uh brogues not i'm sorry uh <laughs> oxford's not brogues yes oxford's yeah. not brogues yeah uh-huh. when you hear it you're like what did he say it's a british accent i don't really understand exactly how what he said but that's yeah. that literally what everybody said yeah. so my monday morning quarterback is okay everybody has the nano chip or that chip inside their phone everybody's going to have access to it i would but you can't stop that but what you can do is tell everybody like literally blast it out everywhere and say this is going to happen. You might think I'm crazy, but this is going to happen where all of a sudden you're going to want to kill somebody. And it's because your phone. Everybody should number one get rid of those because you're going to want to kill somebody. But number two, as soon as that happens, get some the noise canceling headphones. Put them on your head. Like that's the first thought. As soon as you hear something, you see some alert on your phone, put it on your head as fast as you can. That's what you need to do. So, they should have literally alerted the entire world As quickly as I can, rather than I'm going to try to stop him. Gotcha, gotcha. I was thinking just smaller scale. My Monday morning quarterback was when Roxy was calling Eggsy's mom to put her in the thing, throw away the key. She didn't mention get rid of your cell phone, get rid of all electronic things, turn everything off, right? Maybe in her own apartment closed off with the walls and stuff, maybe it wouldn't affect her. You know, or, you know, other people's phones wouldn't affect her. So I was thinking small. You were thinking big scale. You were thinking big picture, Dust. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. <dude>. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, any last things you want to mention before we end this puppy? No. Now, is there another version coming out or another um, episode? There's out? like a prequel coming out later this year. King's Man, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. We'll definitely see that and probably discuss it on the podcast. So awesome, awesome. One last thing. Projectile vomiting. Another movie with projectile vomiting. This time, Samuel L. Jackson at the end gets stabbed through with her her knife, sees it, and barfs out like that. Well, you know why he barfs, right? uh, Because he can't stand the sight of blood. He throws up when he sees it. Exactly. I thought that was brilliant. So, Dust, this movie was my choice this week. What are we learning from next week? A fantastic movie. And I find that a lot of movies I enjoy are funny and they're enjoyable because they entertain you. Um, I'm not a big fan of like horror movies uh, just because it doesn't entertain me. It doesn't make me happy. It makes me like, uh so I want to go back and watch a fantastic movie that is hilarious. And it shows this actor in a different light as opposed to his normal other characters like Trading Places is a fun movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. You should definitely watch that, but that's not the one I want to watch. What I do want to watch is Coming to America. It has Eddie Murphy in it, and it has him playing a different type of character because he's a prince. He's a royal guy. Brilliant, funny movie. What about you? What do you think? I'm down with that. It's been so long since I ate at McDowell's. I'm ready for another burger from there, dude. Well, oh, for sure. I, I like it. Awesome. Well, thinking of McDowell's, we have um, Ian Kingsman. We just uh, we just reviewed this this episode. They eat McDonald's as opposed to anything else. I'm like, oh, dude, you know, I know you're trying to show that you don't have or you have money and you're trying to be this, that and the other. I don't eat McDonald's. I don't care. I'll just go. F- I'll starve. Like I just yeah. don't because it literally hurts my stomach. I personally do. But thinking of McDowell's so much better than McDonald's so let's let's go ahead and watch let's go ahead and watch coming to America what did they have they don't have the golden arches they have the golden arch Arc arc yeah, <laughs> so <going funny>. <laughs> oh my god yeah i'm looking forward to it good choice Dust. coming to america awesome. uh, all righty everybody thank you so much for listening if you're watching on youtube thanks for those eyeballs now if you have some different life lessons that you took away maybe different monday morning quarterback different prop that you want we want to hear your thoughts so go to the show notes page watch and learn slash pod 92 and leave a comment at the bottom all righty. Once again, my name is Sky, and I'm Dusty, and we will return next week with coming to America.